Welcome to our community. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Don Butera. And so today we're still in chapter one. Last week we talked about um, what the book was all about. It's about a revelation of Jesus Christ. The whole goal of our life is to get a revelation of Jesus Christ. If you get a revelation of Jesus Christ, if you see him in all his fullness and who he is, then trust me, your whole perspective on everything will change. And that's what the book of Revelation is all about. It also is a prophetic book to tell the churches that were during that time and to tell us even today to get prepared, to get ready, to get trained so that when tough times come, we will be able to walk through them. And then it's a message to God's people and the message, the central message and theme uh, uh, of Revelations is out of chapter 14, verse 12. It says, this calls for patient endurance uh, uh, on the part of God's people who keep his commandments and remain faithful to Jesus Christ. So when you're going through things, God wants us to remain faithful and be patient and endure. So that's the, we looked at last week. This week, we're gonna look at chapter one again, and we're gonna look at the first revelation uh, that or, or the first revealing of Jesus Christ and what we see in chapter one. Now, I want to read this verse. It says, "It was the Lord's day when I when I was worshiping in the spirit." This is John talking, and he said, "Suddenly I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet blast. It said, write in the book everything you see and send it to the seven churches, the church, the cities of Ephesus, uh, Smyrna." Pergama, Titerius, I can never say that name, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. And those are the seven churches that he's writing to that exist in Asia Minor during that time. And so again, it's, it's really a book that is talking to these seven churches about the difficult times that they will have. And in prophetic ways, those churches will reveal things about ourselves and our own community, and also about how we need to uh, prepare so that as a community, we can go through difficult times. And, and the churches, they needed encouragement. And the first four chapters of the book of Revelation, I really believe is an encouragement to churches to get them uh, get a, a revelation of Jesus, get a revelation of heaven, get a revelation of where they're going, uh, and who is with them, so that when the trumpet sounds, so that when the seals are open, so that all these difficult times come, they will be able to remain faithful and patiently endure it, okay, until chapter 20 or chapter 19, when uh, Jesus, hallelujah, is revealed and we all go up and the books are open. There's going to be some books that are open, and this is clear in the scriptures in many places that there are books, and the question is, is your name written in the book of life? And that's what's gonna be open. We'll talk about that in weeks to come. Now, when, when, uh, when uh, John hears this on the Lord's day, as it said, and I'll explain that in a minute, it says in verse 12, I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when, uh, when I turned, the, I saw seven golden lampstands, and among the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet, 
and a golden sash around his chest. And the hair, his hair was white like wool and as white as snow. And his eyes were like blazing fire and his feet were like bronze glowing in the furnace. And his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. And in his right hand, he, he held the seven stars. And coming out of his mouth was a sword, a double-edged sword. And his face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. Now, it's really interesting. Right away, we can learn something that we need to do. John is praying, and he's, he's probably seeking the face of God at this time. And he, what does he do? It says, I heard a voice. Today, when you hear his voice, remember we've talked about that over and over again. This is the message to the church, to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Today, when you hear his voice, what does John do? It says that he turns to look, and what does he see? He sees uh, the Son of Man walking among the, among the lampstands. And we know that the lampstands, in, chapter, in verse 20 of chapter 1, it says that the lampstands are the churches. And so we know that Jesus is passionate for his church. Why is he passionate for the people of God? One, because it's his bride. He loves hanging out with his bride. If he had to choose who he was going to go out on a date He would choose his wife every single time because that's his bride. He loves, it says it's his bride, it's his children. He loves to be with his children. It says that we are the body, he's the head and we are the body. So we're, you know, he's always with the body. And so we know that the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, loves, it's such a beautiful picture of Jesus Christ walking among the lampstands. Now in verse five, it says this. All glory uh, to him who loves us. See, he loves us. Don't forget that. I'm going to share this in a minute. Don't forget this verse. He loves us. But I'm going to show you something very interesting in a minute. And he has freed us, hallelujah, from our sins and by shedding his blood. And he has made us a kingdom of priests for our God. So I have this incredible image when I was meditating on this verse. Here's... Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, walking among the the lampstand, which is the churches. He's walking among his people. And I just kind of get this picture. I'm sorry. I believe Jesus is a little bigger than us. So I get this picture of Jesus kind of like, you know, Menjaga over all the churches, all the people. And he's walking around. And like he walks up to me and he he walks up to you and and he puts his hand as he's walking around the churches, he puts his hand upon my head. He puts his hand upon your head. And he says, be clean. I am now making you a priest and a king in my kingdom. What a wonderful, wonderful picture of Jesus just walking around and touching among the lampstands, touching. That's why when you turn your back on the church, guess what you're turning your back on? the one who walks among the churches. So don't turn your back upon the community of believers. Oh, there's so many reasons, and I believe the evil one wants to get that. We'll see that in weeks to come, that the evil one wants to get you to turn your back upon Jesus, upon the community. The community will help you, so, he, so the evil one causes problems there, 
But I believe that God is right there to mend and to help and to fix. So today, let, let Jesus walk among you. Let him place his hand upon you and make you a priest and say, you are a priest. Now, as priests, that's us, God has now made us priests. As priests, what is a priest's job or his duties or what is he supposed to do? Well, first, a priest is called to reflect or be a representative of the one he serves. We are called to be a reflection of who Jesus is. That's what a, a duty of a priest. We are supposed to have the same character, the same love, the same hand extended, the same heart of compassion for those that are, that are struggling, for those that are, uh, that, are, that are in need, for the poor and for the sick and for those around us. We are supposed to have compassion, heart full of forgiveness. That's the character that we're supposed to have as priests. And we are supposed to stand in the gap. The Bible says this, that Jesus is ever interceding. He's ever praying. He's our mediator. And he's always talking to the Father saying, these are my people. Heal them, bless them, empower them. He's always standing in the gap. As priests, we are called to stand in the gap for people, for, for, for people that, that need Jesus and for people that have Jesus and, and need help. So we need to be standing in the gap as priests. We are, uh, we are to be um, the, the walk of holiness. We are to explain, uh, uh, reflect the holiness of God as priests. You know how many times I hear stories of uh, pastors who, uh, and, and you know, I, I, I'm flawed too. I, I make mistakes, but who, you know, just continue to make mistakes and don't repent from them and don't change. And how many people are discouraged to come to God because of the leaders? So we can all look at leaders. You can look at me and say, you guys need to follow Jesus. Yeah. But you are Christ's epistles, it says, and known and read of man. You are the same way. People are to look at you and to read on your heart, read in your life that you are a representative of Jesus Christ. Trust me, most people won't read the Bible, but they will definitely read you. So pay attention. Make sure you are that representative. You are the, and not only you are a priest, you're a kingdom. Hallelujah. A kingdom, which means, you know, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We are to be that kingdom. We are to be the influence, the ecclesia. Now, that word ecclesia, very interesting word. It actually means to be the influence in the marketplace. We are called to be the influence in our society. And, you know, maybe. I'm not going to argue uh, for anybody that's watched, you know, this protests and stuff. Yes, there are times we have to stand up for justice. But at the same time, we need to be a people of justice. We need to be affecting people around us. If you want to, ch- I, I heard this quote, I love this. If you want to change your country, change your island. If you want to change your island, change your province. If you want to change your province, Change the people who are around you. If you want to change the people who are around you, change your family. If you want to change your family, change you. That's how it starts. It starts with you. It starts with me. Okay? So, so now we see that this, 
Son of Man is walking around the lampstands. He's, he's walking around, he's blessing, he's pouring out, and he's doing all this to encourage people to say, listen, it's time to be anointed so that you can face the things to come. And then it says that John, what did he see when he turned? After he heard the voice, he saw something. And this, again, is the first revelation of Jesus Christ, the unveiling of who Jesus is in, in the book of Revelation. We see this, and it, it says, now, before I show you this and show you the different things like the, the eyes and the hair and the robes and all that stuff, I want you to understand something, a little background just to give you a picture of what's going on, because I believe Jesus is going to reveal himself to the churches so that they can be encouraged through the difficult times. That's the whole goal, okay? And so it says, John says, I saw the Lord, it was on the Lord's day that I heard a voice. Now, most, you might, if you're just a, just a general reader, you might say that that, oh, that's the Sabbath. He was on the Sabbath. But actually, there's a good chance that that's not what he meant, especially in the context of what's going on. When it says the Lord's day, it's very possible because the, the Greek there is a little bit like Lordy day. And what that means is, see, let me explain a little history. I got to give you a little history. You see, here was Rome. Rome was ruling, right? And Caesar was the king of Rome. And some people used to shout out, Caesar is like, he's like God. He's God. And Caesar never really resisted that. He kind of, you know, I think he probably liked that. He was considered a god. And then a succession after succession, uh, pretty soon there was uh, Caesar Augustus. Now Caesar Augustus, he went one more step. He began to build altars and statues of Caesar, and people were called to worship that statue. And then this guy, uh, what's his name? I want to get his name right, because you know me. Um, his name was uh, Domitia. Uh, uh, I'll get it right, but he was a king. He was the next in line. And when he became king, there was a, one of the temples were built in Asia for Caesar. And this new Caesar actually said, there's going to be one day a year where everyone must stand before the, uh, the statue and must like raise his hand, like praise, and say, Caesar is Lord. And then he was to take some incense and throw it onto the fire and smoke would come up. Oh, boy. Talk about being so similar to uh, what was going on in Judaism and Christianity at that time. And so... And, and he declared that one day a year, and you know what that day was called? The Lord's Day. And so it's very possible this is one of the reasons why John was actually in prison, because John was a political prisoner, and I'm sure that John would not have done this. Now, that was, uh, uh, penalty was death, so how he got out of the death, I don't know, probably because the Lord prophesied that he wouldn't die that way. But if you did not stand up, and say, Caesar is Lord, you were put to death. That's what was going on at this time. Now, tell me, 
You've got the power of Rome, the power of all this going on in your, in your province of Asia, and you're called to do this. If you don't get a picture of how great your king is, how will you resist that? Because of the fear. You see, I'm going to share this. I'm getting off script, which is when I say script my notes, I'm going to probably, yeah, whatever. I just felt like I should share it. Sometimes, I'm going to, uh, let me just give you a thought, okay? You know, addiction, all right? Uh, some people will say, hey, I'm addicted to this. And, and I'm, not, I'm not saying addiction isn't real, because obviously it is. But sometimes I believe the reason why you stay in your addiction is because the stakes are not high enough. You don't see the damage and the, the risk involved in what you're doing. So, for example, let's say you're an alcoholic and you struggle with alcohol, right? If all of a sudden... Uh, you were going to have a, the bottle of wine was sitting there or the bottle of alcohol, whatever it was, was sitting there. And someone came into your house, grabbed your kid, put a knife to his throat and said, if you drink that, I'm going to kill your son. Do you think you'd drink it? I don't think so. And the reason is you would see the high stakes that were involved in what you were doing. And so when the people came to this, this powerhouse Caesar, and they saw what Rome could do, and there they were, and they're about to, you know, are you going to raise your hand? Are you going to say that Jesus is Lord? You better know how big your God is. You better get a revelation of who he is, because if not, it's not going to be hard to do. Now, you say, okay, well, we don't do that today. We, you know, we don't, there's, there's no statue here of the, the president, and we don't raise our hand and say he's Lord. Wait a minute. There are a lot of gods around. There are a lot of gods that people raise their hand and say, you are Lord. That's why Jesus said you can't serve God and mammon at the same time. You can't serve money. And so some of us raise our hand and say, you are God. And so when the money market is good, you praise. When the money market is bad, you go down because you're worshiping someone other than the king. And so what does John see here? What does John see when he looks? Well, he sees, he sees several things uh, about, about Jesus. Uh, and here's some of the aspects. They're all symbology. So these are things that we can look on and, and understand and, and, and get a glimpse of what the symbol means. So, for example, first he sees uh, the robes. He sees a white robe and a golden sash. It's the same exact or very similar to what the, the priests in Leviticus chapter 8 and Moses and Aaron uh, would wear. So we get this idea that, that Jesus is the high priest. It says in uh, Hebrews chapter 4, it says, Since then, since we have a great high priest who has entered the heaven, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, let us hold, listen to that, let us hold firmly to what we believe or to who we believe. See, you get a picture, a revelation of who Jesus is. You need a revelation of who Jesus is because once you see that, you will easily be able to hold firm to uh, the one that you say you believe in. It's time we start believing and not just talk, we actually walk and we trust. 
the mediator, the high priest who goes into the heavens for us, Jesus Christ. The second thing is we see hair like wool uh, or like white as wool. And this gray, it's basically in Proverbs chapter 16, it says, gray hair is a crown of glory. And and the gain, uh, and it is the gain of righteous life. It symbolizes wisdom and 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 uh, glory. And so we get this glory on his head. So we've got the priest who walks around in glory. And then we have eyes. Now the eyes are really interesting. It says they have eyes like flames of fire. Fire has so many different um, uh, connotations in the Bible. One is judgment. And so we say, oh, is God a God of judgment? Actually, God is a God of judgment. He is a God of judgment. He has judged you. If you believe in Jesus Christ, you have been judged. And guess what? Through Jesus Christ, you're found guiltless. Hallelujah. This is why we can walk. But he's also, fire stands for several other things. Like, for example, you know, how he burns the chaff, the chaff, uh, the stuff that's not fruit. He burns it away. Like we talked a few weeks ago, how he burns away anything that's uh, built with wood, hay, or stubble. We need to build with precious stones. So his fire will burn those things. Remember I said a couple weeks ago, anything that is not covered in God's grace will be burnt up. And the only thing that is covered in God's grace comes from heaven. We've got to remember this. And so this fire is also a fire that just wants to burn away all the junk in us. Also, fire can stand for, <coughs> excuse me, can stand for jealousy. And we know that Jesus is a jealous God. The Bible's clear. He's a jealous God. What does he mean? He doesn't want anyone stealing his bride away. He doesn't want his bride getting any other attention but from him. And so normally in a relationship, when, when your spouse does something wrong, right, like gets, gets deceived and does something sinful against you, you're mad at your spouse. That's not what Jesus is. When, when, we, get, when we get led astray, Jesus goes after that which has deceived us and he destroys it. That's the fire in his eyes. So know that God wants you. He's jealous for you. He wants to protect you. And his eyes are on you, and they are filled with flames. And then his feet are like bronze. And, and this stands for like power, dominion, everlasting. So like you almost get this picture in, in, in Daniel chapter 7. It says, his dominion is everlasting, which uh, shall not pass away. And his kingdom is one that shall not be destroyed we get this picture of a warrior, and then when he steps, you hear steps of thunder. That's the kind of, when he begins to march, look out, because he's going to destroy the enemies that are coming after you. This is all to encourage you during difficult times, because during difficult times, we know, we know that the evil wants to come in. He wants you to get discouraged. He wants to get you off track. He wants you to take your eyes off of Jesus. He wants you to start following after things uh, that he wants you to follow after. But we have Jesus Christ, whose feet are bronze, who stands in the gap for us, the king, the priest, who when he comes out to march, will destroy the enemy. So no, this is the God we serve. Get a revelation. And then it says, hallelujah, his voice. Now we talk about this 
sweet voice, and, and I believe it is. It's a sweet voice, and we can hear the whispers inside us. But let me read you this scripture verse, and I want to use my glasses just to get it right. Out of Psalms, it says, the voice of the Lord echoes above the sea. This is Psalm 29, I believe. The, the glory of God thunders. The Lord thunders. His voice thunders like mighty sea. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord splits the cedars. The, the Lord shatters the cedars of Lebanon. The voice of the Lord strikes with lightning bolts. The voice of the Lord makes the barren uh, wilderness quake. The voice shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord twists the oaks and strips the, the, the uh, forest bare. In the temple, all shout, glory, glory for the voice because the voice is going to speak and he's going to, remember when he stood in the garden? Remember when he got the kiss and they said, are you the one? And he just turned and just said, I am. And the soldiers fell back. Trust me, when the Lord speaks for you, when the Lord speaks for me, he's going to shake the world and they're going to scatter in front of us. This is the God we serve. This is the miraculous one. Finally, I I will touch this. I'm running out of time. But uh, out of his mouth comes a two-edged sword. A two-edged sword. Now, there are some that believe this two-edged sword is one of the swords in, uh, they used to use uh, in battle, and it was this like, kind of like, a, like almost like a spade-shaped sword. So it wasn't like one of these swords. It was like the spade shape. And what the guys would do is they would hold it like it was very heavy, and they would swing it back and forth like this. And it was so sharp that anybody that came in the swinging distance of it would just get sliced in two. And so these guys, these soldiers would stand up with a two-edged sword and they could kill 20, 30, 40 people at a time when, with their two-edged sword. And that's the kind of sword they talk about. So this picture of Jesus with a sword that comes out that cuts to the dividing of sunder of soul and spirit and bone and marrow. It is the discerner of the intents and hearts of man, it says in Hebrews. So this sword is going to come out of his mouth, and it's going to cut and pierce. It's going to do two things. It's going to wipe out any untruth that is spoken. When he speaks, the truth comes out. Secondly, when he speaks to you, that's what he's doing. He's cutting out all the untruth. That's why it says to meditate on the word of God. Because as you do, it will get rid of these other things in your, bra- in your mind. Now, I'm going to share. I got, ah, good, I got enough time. I got enough time. So I want you to notice something here. This is a picture of, Revel- uh, uh, of Jesus revealed, right? Now, sometimes it's good to notice something that's not there. Do you notice that in this picture, there's no picture, there's no, there's no symbol or anything of this idea that we, we've been talking about over the last generations. There's no, there's no talk about love. Now, that doesn't mean he doesn't love us. Remember I said, remember, the one who loves us walks among the lampstands. He said it earlier in chapter 5. But when you get a picture of it, you don't see this, this lovey-dovey. You don't see like wings. Like He doesn't see wings that would like cover and protect us. His heart, you know, you don't see this heart filled with light and love. You don't, you don't see a mouth that's filled with kind words. You see a sword coming out of his mouth. Why? 
Because we need a warrior now. We need a warrior. We need God's warrior spirit to come out. We need his warrior who will go before us and cut down the enemies. Because there's difficult times ahead. There's difficult times now. We need warriors. And I believe that's why he's revealing himself to say, listen, you got that king on the Lord's day that you got to stand up to? Let me show you who I am. Let me show the king of kings who the real king is. See, we need a picture of that all along. I want to say this, just because it's not there, just because it's not described, doesn't mean it's not part of him. This is just another piece, another part of God being revealed to us in all his glory. Remember, we can't just keep staying on one subject. We have to look at the whole counsel of who God is. And God is, a, and God is a warrior who fights for us. He's a king of kings who's over every king. He is the majestic one, the power one, the one who stands with us when we stand with him. This is why it's so important to know that uh, when I saw this, I'm like, wow, no picture of love. That doesn't mean it's not there. It just means it's time for us to get a different glimpse or another side of aspect of Jesus Christ, because it will help you and encourage you during times of difficulty and persecution. Finally, it says that he stands among the lampstands, and I would be neglectful if I don't reference this symbol. Now, we know that that symbol stands for the church, but when we look at that lampstand, what we see is we say, well, what is a lampstand? What is the lampstand? Well, the lampstand is those, uh, they call it menorah, you know, it's the lampstands, right? Now, that would be in the temple. And what was it used for? It was used to light the way so that people could see in the dark. And God is calling us to be a lampstand. That's who we are. So we are called to stand and be a light so people can find the way. When's the last time you shared the gospel with somebody? See, if your eyes... Oh, okay, I'll just let me just say it. Get a revelation of Jesus Christ. You'll see who he is. And then in the middle of the difficult times, you can start sharing the light and say, this is my king. Who's yours? It's time we witness to be the light, both in our lives, in our mouths, in our love, in our compassion, and in our helping others. That's what God wants us to be. So we are a light. Now, in the holy place, that light was never to go out. There's a command, never to let the light go out. Now, how is the light uh, fueled? Hmm, it's fueled by oil. Hmm, now you want to talk about a symbol. We know that the oil stands for the Holy Spirit. And we know the passages about the Lord's return and those, the virgins who didn't have enough oil. We need to be filled with that oil. Who gives the oil? The priest who walks among the lampstands. He's the one who distributes the spirit unto all flesh. Hallelujah. It comes through Jesus. You need to get filled with the Holy Spirit as you begin to get filled with the Holy Spirit. As you begin to get filled with the Holy Spirit, out of you will come living waters. Out of you will come life. Out of you will come the Holy Ghost and the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, 
and self-control. As that flows out of you, you will be the lampstand that God wants you to be. And that's what God has called us to do. He's called us to walk and be like the lampstands, filled with oil, never to run out, to be the light to the nations in times of difficulty. So I'm going to close here, and I'm just going to kind of review a little bit. And I just want to say, so we are, we are called to be, uh, have allegiance to no other than Jesus Christ. On the Lord's Day, on the day in which maybe it's not a statue to you, maybe it's something else, on the day in which you're going to say, I bow to you, money, relationships, fear, doubt, worry, all those are gods. And if we stand, we say, you are Lord, and we follow them, our allegiance is not with Christ. And so God's saying, get a revelation. Our community needs to walk among, uh, walk like a lamb stands, and the Alpha and Omega walks among us. Woo! I get so excited when I think of that. And then we got to hunger and thirst and cry out to the one who walks among us. Pour out your Holy Spirit even more upon our community, upon our family, and mostly upon us. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, for anyone out here who is struggling right now, who is walking in fear and worry and doubt and uncertainty, all of those are not of you, God. Father, I pray right now in this prayer, They would say, I trust in you, Lord God. I declare you to be my Lord and Savior. I will walk in your ways. I will remain faithful, as it says in Revelation chapter 14. I will remain patient and faithful and endure through times of struggle. I will obey your commandments. I will walk in your ways. I will not deny you. Lord, I know that when they pray that, when we pray that, You are for us, and if you are for us, nothing can stand against us. Give people now, right now, in Jesus' name, a revelation of who you are. I want you to just raise your hands right now, and I want to pray a blessing over you. Lord, we always pray the blessing, bless you and keep you and cause your face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Those are all wonderful prayers, but I'm going to pray a different prayer today. Lord, give them a vision and revelation of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, the one, hallelujah, who wears white robes, Lord, with a golden sash, the one whose feet are like bronze, whose hair is like white as snow, whose out of his mouth comes a two-edged sword, who has fire in his eyes. Lord, give them a revelation of who you are so that, Lord God, we would be encouraged through these difficult times I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day.